0: You're listening to a podcast from the Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference. The 7th Annual Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference took place at NUI Galway in August 2017. The conference was generously supported by the College of Arts, Social Sciences and Celtic Studies at NUI Galway, the School of Humanities at NUI Galway, the Moore Institute at NUI Galway, the Disciplines of History and English at NUI Galway, the Women's History Association of Ireland and Marsh's Library. As in previous years, the majority of papers were recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media, in association with UCD's History Hub. There are now more than 180 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences freely available. To access this archive, go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts or visit tutorstuartireland.com In this episode, a recording of a paper by Therese Hicks entitled The Kennedys of Man Kennedy.
1: Just want to Thank a few people for um, being able to do this in the first place. Uh, I started going to the O'Cleary lectures in UCD and um, I had finally found the uh, estate papers and they were in um, the Wicklow papers. And there's no mention of them in the introduction to the Wicklow papers, which makes them even harder to find. But a, a genealogist up in Monaghan told me about them. Um, but when I first looked at those swiggles, I thought, I'll never do this. This is hopeless. <laughs> but uh, Jeffrey Cox. Uh, who was suggested by John McCaffrey, um, was good enough to spend two and a half days with me, and I finally kind of got my eye on it. And uh, then two and a half years later, I've done 500 transcripts of documents. So it's... Um, and then Ken Nichols has also been of a great assistance to me with his encyclopedic knowledge. So um, locally, it's it said that George Kennedy was the first person who was active in Mount Kennedy. Um but I couldn't find any documentation on it. So when I finally uh, started looking at things, um, Jeffrey said, well, here's Robert Kennedy. Um, he's the wealthiest um, trader, merchant, on alderman in Dublin, so therefore he's the only one who would have the money to um, buy all that real estate. Uh, so I kind of was going on that assumption, and then it started not to add up because the dates were getting farther and farther apart. So... Um, those are the sources of information. But, again, it became clear that there were two Robert Kennedys. There's the Robert Kennedy of the city of Dublin, born sometime in the 1560s, probably mid-1560s, and then a second Robert Kennedy from the city of Dublin, born in the early 1580s. Okay. And um, the question then is, are they related, and if so, how? Okay, so that was a, a large part of the initial investigation, um, so, uh, fortunately, because he was so wealthy, the Robert Kennedy, the alderman, uh, had the herald come down from Ulster, and he did out the genealogy, and so this is very well documented. Um, so, this Robert Kennedy's uh, grandfather was Lawrence Kennedy, who married Mar- Margaret Money. If anybody knows any Moneys around, please let me know. <laughs> it's a name I'm not familiar with at all. Um, and they had only one son, who was Hugh Kennedy. Okay. And he married um, Elizabeth Conran, so obviously he's getting well in. Um, but then he has five kids, and Robert is the middle of those. Um, they all did well for themselves. The eldest, John, uh, was a merchant, and then George, which may, may, may be where Mount Kennedy people got the George name in the first place. Um, he was also an alderman. Um, but... And then there's Robert and Elizabeth who married a Barnwall. You can do worse than have a Barnwall in your family. And then the last one, Alice, marries John Arthur, who's originally from Limick, but became a um, the mayor of Dublin. So that's the Alderman's family. And i quickly looking at then the Alderman's children. Um, again, he married Jane Sedgrave, who's um, the mayor's daughter. Um, and you can see. The, the thing was, the genealogy was done in 1607, so it only goes that far. But I have the Beetham's abstract of uh, Robert's will, and so you can get the other three kids from that. Um, but you can see that he didn't name any of his children Robert. That's the crucial piece at this stage. Okay, um, So then you have Robert Kennedy, the chief remembrance of the Court of the Exchequer. And in Birchall's um, material that's in the complete baronestasy by Cocking, 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 how do you say that, Um, has, that's where I got the fact that Robert Kennedy Remembrancer's uh, father was named Robert, because it's not mentioned in any of the estate papers, and then he has three brothers and a a, a, um, sister, all, the three brothers are all Catholics, and documented as Catholics, Uh, Christopher marries Catherine Englefield who's the sister of Henry Englefield in England who's a very staunch English Catholic so I assume that Um, Margaret married Charles Smith so I assume that she married a Protestant Um, but Robert the Remembrancer became um, Protestant evidently fairly early on um, as was common in those days okay Um, so so to look at possible degrees of relationship here. We have Lawrence, the grandfather, and probably has a brother, at least one. And then Hugh, an only son, therefore at most has a cousin, who's a Kennedy. Um, And then Hugh's son, Robert, and the Robert, who's the father of the Remembrancer, are second cousins, which means that the two Roberts that I'm interested in are second cousins once removed. So that, that finally, I finally sorted that one uh, as to, like, who are they and how do they relate and that sort of thing. Now, they're both said to be in the of the city of Dublin. Um, so so <laughs> here we have um, the castle and the road up. Um, and here's St. Nicholas Street. They're um, said both to live on, one lives on Kennedy's Lane and the other lives on um, St. Nicholas Street. So if you go closer in. You can see there's the tussle up that's up on the corner. There's a green space there now. Um, and right next to it is St. Nicholas Church. The facade of St. Nicholas Church is, is right there, if you ever noticed. And then you have Kennedy's Lane just in there. And St. Nicholas Street is here. And the end of St. Nicholas Street <coughs> is where the wall, original town wall, was in, uh, in Dublin. Okay, so that's the area of Dublin that, that they're working in. Um, so, just to look again at the children of Robert Kennedy the Alderman, um, because there is real drama in this particular story, unfortunately. It's kind of a sad story in many ways. So, um, his son, first son, is George, is born in 1603, but he doesn't become the heir. So, speculation uh, suggestion by John McCaffrey was that he perhaps became a friar, because then he's legally dead and can't inherit. Um, and 1603 was also the year that... Um, Robert became an alderman, so um, whether that was his success, he, he was get, offering a child to the church or whatever, um, but so John becomes the heir, but he's born in 1604, Robert dies in 1624, if you do the math, that means that um, John is only 20 when his dad dies, So just, and then just take note of the three youngest boys, Patrick, Christopher, and Mark, they okay, will come in later. So back to the uh, Remembrancer, uh, Robert Kennedy. He's got um, his, himself and his brother John do land speculation out in um, Longford. Walter becomes uh, eventually an alderman himself. Um, and then Margaret Smith, Charles Smith, features in the 1641 depositions for the uh, Newtown and the Kennedy. And then um, the other one there. Okay. No, let's see. John's property in, in uh, Longford, he, he hangs on to it right through all the um, loss of land by Catholics. Uh, and it's, they're called the Kennedy's lands, though they're not any longer known that way. Uh, but evidently, Robert and Robert's friend, William Parsons, um, protects his brother and keeps him from losing his land. Okay. So this is the sequence of events of the rise of Robert Kennedy and the eventual fall. So in 1589, William Parsons arrives in Ireland uh, working for his uncle, who's the Surveyor General. Um, And in the mid-late 1590s, Robert Kennedy starts working, possibly for Parsons. It's what it said uh, in one of the documents that he was... um, And then in 1597, James Carroll becomes the chief chamberlain of the court of the Exchequer. Um, Now, I finally came upon a a document in the Wicklow papers that says that James Carroll, um, he signed himself your loving cousin, writing to Robert Kennedy. So um, that's... And he has a lot of similarities with Robert Kennedy. They're both sons of Catholic, um, well-to-do men who... um, Kind of become Protestants for the family's sake. Um, and um, they're both fairly unscrupulous, um, which was kind of the custom <laughs> of the time. I mean, a lot of unscrupulosity for the uh, getting ahead. Next, then, in 1602, William Parsons becomes the Surveyor General and is involved in land redistribution. And Kennedy becomes the second Chamberlain of the Exchequer, which is interesting. But he's got his friend, his cousin as the chief gentleman, um, and so the, the question is, is Robert Kennedy Parson's man in the Exchequer? So that's another question that hangs in the air. In 1603, the elder uh, Robert Kennedy becomes the alderman. Um, in 1605, the alderman is imprisoned for recusancy, and it's said that his family is living at Kennedy Court off St. Nicholas Street. Now, th- Gilbert, um, in his speculation about Kennedy's court, Thinks that it was built by Kennedy, the, ex- the exchequer fellow. Um, but if Kennedy, the alderman, is already living there in the 15 and 16, early 1600s, then that doesn't sound right. Okay, so it's there's a lot of conflicting um, material around this. So then, in 1607, Carroll sells Robert a reversion in the house on Saint Nicholas Street, which is the first mention of Robert Kennedy. In his estate papers, okay. on the eighth of June, then James Carroll was made the chief remembrancer of the Exchequer, um, and that's a public. That's from the um, Dictionary of Irish Biography. The next two are from um, Wicklow paper documents. In December, it says that Richard Hopper made, was made chief remembrancer for life. And it's like okay, uh, but on twenty sixth, then Richard Coleman gave Carroll a thousand pounds for the same office, and that's like. Are there joint chief remembrancers? Could that be what's going on there? If anybody has any information that can enlighten me, I'd appreciate that. Um, And then in 1610, uh, Robert Kennedy witnesses the lease of Kishog, or Kishok, I think is known now, amongst the Browns. Again, the Browns were Catholic um, Anglo-Normans who were very wealthy, and the uh, transaction was between fathers and sons and brothers. Um, And it's 100 acres with a mansion on it. So this is starting to be serious money. It's not just a reversion in a house on St. Nicholas Street. In 1611, Kennedy became the chief chamberlain of the Exchequer. Uh, And in 1612, Carroll became the mayor in lieu of his his father, who was excused because he was Catholic. Um, In 1613, there's a George Sankey who rents a house on St. Nicholas Street. And in 1614, Robert Kennedy married a Constance Silliard whose mother is Margaret Sankey. So the Sankeys seem to be a group group that he's getting in with. And 1615, between 1615 and 1620, Robert Kennedy and his brother John are buying land in Longford, okay, but it's with shady dealing. And that's actually documented in the land commission report that was commissioned by Wentworth because he was so disgusted with all the Corruption that was going on in the land dealings, so you have the the whole thing about the grievances and destruction rained down upon the natives and inhabitants of the con- county of Longford in the time of the late plantation. So this is done in 1622, which is a bit after the fact. Um, so first, some of these committees were their own carvers in plotting land for themselves and others contrary to His Majesty's instructions. Okay, so he's talking about Parsons there. Parsons is a Surveyor General, and he's carving stuff up and um, Kennedy's, the Kennedy brothers are getting. Uh, so Kennedy is, Kennedy that was clerk to William Parsons. And at that stage, they have to kind of make the distinction because both of the Robert Kennedys are still alive. So they, they make, they do kind of make sure they know who they're talking about. Uh, and they list out his land. Um, and then finally, it's said that Robert, his brother John, a clerk in the King's Receipt, have land. And that he's gotten it by... Um, getting a trust done with Connell McGirl that's an unusual name, and um, his patent in particular, who passes the land on to Kennedy, which is the only trick commonly done amongst them that got lands contrary to the king's instructions Okay, so this whole habit of using a trust to um, get his land is how he gets ahead Okay, because he's, he's not uh, local and he's not Although he's Protestant, he still hasn't got enough money to do things. So then in 1616, um, there's a letter from uh, to Robert Kennedy from Theopold Britus, consulting him about land speculation. So he obviously has a reputation for speculating in land, and Britus is trying to see whether or not uh, Kennedy can be any use to him. And also, he Kennedy is he's, he's very aggressive, and he's very underhanded, and he... Um, challenges a pay disparity between himself and the other chamberlain, which would lead me to think that there's a it is a joint co co-cham- chamberlain and thing, and he uh, appeals to Carson Parsons and Carroll as mediators in the case. And surprise, surprise, he wins his case because he's <laughs> applied to his friends for mediation. Uh, first of January, he gets a stake in a house in Saint Nicholas Street. So you know, they can see the gradual sort of creeping up and increasing his um, holdings. And he's buying timber and cloth from the shop of Alderman Robert Kennedy. On one of the accounts, there's a a comment that, you know, you've bought this, you owe this money to um, the Alderman Kennedy's shop. And he's buying timber, which, you know, is he starting to to build houses or just, you know, improve on on the house that he has? Uh, There's quite a list of the different types of cloth that he's buying. If you're interested in knit cloth and what's being made at this time, it's a, it's a great um, resource. Um, so then he uses a trust to buy a house lately built in St. Nicholas Street. And the trust in this instance is William Worrell, Gerald Dillon, and Thomas Stockdale. Now, he Kennedy had in his possession a court case report on um, that involved Worrell and Dillon, that put them in a very compromised position. And so my, one of my questions is, is he blackmailing these guys? Uh, Thomas Stockdale will go on to be um, part of a later trust where he, where he gets uh, land in Wicklow. And so then in 1618, Robert Kennedy witnesses a land transaction between Parsons and a colon in the Kilmerry townland, which is just right part of Newtown, not Kennedy. So the, the really crucial piece, then, is that um, in 1624, the alderman dies, and his son is not yet of age. Um, let's see. Oh, before that, though, 1620, uh, James Carroll forgave all, his debt, all the debts that Robert Kennedy had to him. So Kennedy's been borrowing a lot of money. 1621, um, the Burns mortgaged their land to Parsons, um, and there's the... The, the trust that he uses, and it's for the use of Robert Kennedy. Okay. Um, he gets another house on Saint Nicholas Street with more members of the trust, um, and then Robert buys that house outright on, for sixty pounds. Um, and then, in the second of June, the Browns sold Kishog to Parsons Trust for the use of Kennedy. So he's really starting to acquire quite a bit of real estate. Um, and then he becomes this, the executor for Margaret Sankey's estate, and uh, he's the sole um, recipient of the estate. So he's working his way. And then in 1622, um, William Parsons is made master of the Court of words. Okay, This is where the plot really thickens, and this is where the... yeah. In 1624, um, the alderman dies, and in 1625... And when I um, first read this document, my stomach just (laughs) dropped. It is that Robert Kennedy of the Exchequer buys the entire estate of Robert Kennedy Alderman and literally takes over his entire fortune and all his houses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is, yeah, that, that was the point of the Court of Wards, of course, but it's just really awful to see it happening, and to read the historical documentation of that sale. So um, on the 30th of September, James Carroll resigned as the chief remembrancer of the Exchequer. Um, Robert Kennedy gets a loan of 950 euros from James Carroll for the same office, and, lo and behold, Robert Kennedy becomes the chief remembrancer of the court of the Exchequer. it's um, the estate there. And so from 1626 onwards, Kennedy starts to acquire more and more property because he now has the estate of one of the wealthiest merchants in Dublin. Um, so he's buying land in New, New Castle Barony, um, and he rents it back to the original owners, who were mostly O'Burns and Cullens and uh, a few Cavanaghs and O'Toole's. Um, and he still is borrowing money from his brother, and then his eldest son is admitted to Lincoln's Inns in London, and his captors are John Bissy, a judge, and William Domville, attorney general. So, you know, he's in with the high flyers, um, and his son, Richard, um, is also admitted. Um, but the problem was that I, Sylvester seems to have been not of robust health, because... He was married for 14 years, never had any kids, uh, and died in 1650. There was an outbreak of plague in Dublin in 1650, um, so that could be what happened. And so Richard becomes the heir. Um, Thomas also never had any kids. Um, the interesting thing <clears throat> is that in Walter's will, with the Beetham abstract, the Patrick, Chris, Mark, and George are said to be sons of Robert, and then, like Robert. I don't see them any else anywhere else in the record. How is this happening? But what I finally figured out was these are the sons of the aldermen who became wards of, who stole all their money from them. And obviously Walter's trying to do the right thing and maybe left them some money in his will. So that's uh, his later activities. 1641, his house is destroyed in the Confederate Army. By the Confederate Army, he lost 7,000 pounds worth of goods. Um, he lost the uh, tower house that he was living in, in um, Ballygarney, which is uh, part of the Mount Kennedy domain. And um, so he had to build another house at that point. He was sheriff of Wicklow for a while, MP from Kildare. But finally in 1665, he gets enough money together and he buys himself a baronet to see baronets. Uh, And the manor of Mount Kennedy is formed. And that's when you get Newtown Mount Kennedy. Um, and he dies in his 80s and is buried in the country. haven't found him yet, but I will. <laughs> He's probably either in Delgany or Newcastle, Delgany more likely. So his son, Richard, then um, has eight kids, eight, five daughters and two sons. Um, Constance is actually the eldest one, but I didn't come upon her until well late in the whole uh, investigation. And uh, four of the five daughters married clergymen, uh, church of Ireland clergymen, um, but the youngest boy turns out to have become a Catholic and became a Benedictine didn't die till 1738 he was the last baronet okay so um, he's uh, becomes a captain in a parliamentarian regiment Mullingar um, married to Anne Barker counsel for Philelim O'Neill didn't do feel much good but he tried um, admitted to King's Inn in 1657 <clears throat> and knighted in 1660 briefly chief chief, Remembrancer and then becomes a second baron of the court of the exchequer. Okay. Entertained the Duke of Ormond in 1662, which is, you know, pretty good stuff, um, and built a grand house on the estate after his dad died in 1670. But unfortunately, um, of course, he was a Jacobite, so as the Williamite army came south, the house took a little bit of a beating. Um, so I don't think it was of much use, and the next fellow who bought the estate further on in the 1700s had to build a new house. So, um, he was declared feeble of mind several years before he died by his um, son's father-in-law, uh, Dr. Ralph Howard. Uh, the Howards were uh, became the Earls of Wicklow, and only that they married into... And Kennedy's were the bigger noise at that stage. The, the Howards were sort of just beginning. Um, but if they hadn't married... Then there would have been uh, no Mount Kennedy Estate papers because they would have been destroyed. But the Howards held on to them, and they were yeah put mm-hmm. into so. There's a just to put a little color in. That's a fancy house. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there you can imagine Kennedys and um, Ormond having a good time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the second Robert Kennedy, um, history is moving on, and they're they're. Um, Backing the wrong court, they're Protestants, and James II is coming in. And then uh, the second boy is born with a exposed abdomen, so Doctor Howard takes him to to London. But I think that his um, the daughter, the the wife of Robert Kennedy, at that point dies, uh, probably in childbirth or shortly thereafter. Um, So Robert goes to the Isle of Man, and he takes his sons with him. Um, but he's brought back by the grandfather who goes and rescues them. But as soon as they get back, William kidnaps them because the wife of Howard is virulently anti-Catholic, and so women, William thinks that the kid ought to be raised with a bit more positivity towards Catholicism, uh, so he kidnaps them, and the, they all take off after mm-hmm. him, and the coachman gets killed, and um, yeah, they bring him back, and they take him to England for St. Keating for a while. But eventually he grows up at uh, in Shelton Abbey, Um, with his cousins, moves to England, marries an English wife, has a daughter, Elizabeth. He's quite an arrogant twit. Uh, He married the woman for her money, uh, but he's so hot-headed he gets into a duel and gets himself killed in 1710. The daughter grows up, marries an Englishman who's living way beyond his means, and uh, so the Englishman sells Mount Kennedy and eventually ends up then... uh, That's the end of the Kennedys, and eventually end up uh, with Robert Cunningham as the next owner. Okay. So that's that's the Kennedys of Mount Kennedy. Thanks very so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this Tudor and Stuart Ireland conference podcast. If you would like to access the archive of more than 180 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences, please go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts. All podcasts are freely available on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on the annual Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference, visit the conference website at TutorStuartArland.com.